0: Welcome to a special segment of Total 90 with Dev. I know it's been a while since we've been in your ears in any podcast formats, but we're doing something new. I have a special guest with me. My friend Kaysang is joining me all the way from Kalingpong in India for the special segment called K2K, Kathmandu to Kalingpong. So yeah, Kesang, why don't you go ahead and uh, you know introduce yourself, let the fans know a little bit about yourself, and then we can get right into football talks right after.
1: All right, all right. Thank you first of all, Mr. Dave D, for inviting me. And I was of really course, excited there, when you when you hit me up. I'm looking forward to it. And um, myself, I'm Kesang from Kalimpong, as you already know. And me and Dave D are good friends and i'm also doing yes, my coaching badges and i have done my ai license lessons coaching and i'm looking forward to doing more coaching badges badges i think i'll go towards this coaching field only so i'm looking forward to you know i'm quite interested in
0: football when you invited me over like i was really excited yeah go. i wanted the audience to hear from someone who actually knows a lot about football so i figured Who else to go to but my boy Kaysang, especially after all your long-ass lengthy posts on Instagram after every Euro game. I was like, this guy definitely has a lot to say. You know what? Let's just bring him on the show, and then we'll take it from there. So I'm glad, you know, we could make the time considering our time zones and everything and still record. So I'm pretty sure this is going to be a great session. All of you out there, audience in the US, back home in Nepal, India, I'm sure you're gonna enjoy this particular segment we have. So without further ado, K2K, let's begin. Let's go right into it, right? So let's, go, let's start go. with the Euros highlights. What, what was your general take on the Euros? What did you make of the competition? I felt like this was a very special Euros. Like, you know,
1: like it was quite interesting, you know, to see uh, small teams performing so well against the big teams.
0: Absolutely. Of course,
1: everyone expected France to do so well, you know, like a squad full of so many great players, but we saw like the football is evolving nowadays, you know, like it's not just about having games, it's not about having, you know, a great coach. It's about you've got to perform on that day, you got to be there, you got to give you 100% and the result will follow.
0: I agree, man. A lot of small teams making a lot of big upsets, like I mean even like Hungary in that group of death almost yeah, like upset man. a couple of favorites and then you have the Czech Republic upsetting a couple of people um it was just a tournament full of upsets and I was kind of I kind of enjoyed it you know it was it was a lot of fun but when we're talking about the Euros let's go to like the main game the finals where we had England versus Italy mm-hmm. where sadly mm-hmm. it did not come home it went to Rome instead so, that being said, Mancini versus Garrett Southgate. What's your takes on that? Like, what what manager do you think managed their team better in this tournament? Like, I mean, obviously Italy won, but it did take… Southgate did take England to the final, so he probably knows a little bit of, you know, what he's doing. How did you think yeah. uh, both managers handled their teams? I mean, like, you can't really compare Roberto
1: Mancini to Garrett Southgate. Like, you know, like… Roberto Mancini has been there and done it. Like he's been there to all the big leagues. He's done it with Man City. He's done it with yeah. Inter. So like I knew like he was confident in his team. You know, you could see it. He was. He, yeah. They were confident in the way they played. They were there. You know, they trusted in their coaches. They trusted in their players. And England, I, I, um, I think like it was more of a like how will italy play like you know they're focused on like how can we shut them down it's not more like how can we win the game you know like their approach was a bit like that and you could see it with the formation they chose
0: yeah it, was I figured it out. You know, defenders. Yeah, yeah man like, they, they you, were could, happy you, you to can't have five defend. defenders
1: in a final man like that's too defensive to go with you know you could like, you would say chelsea won you, the Champions League with five defenders but like
0: yeah, but bro, even there, even like the midfield you put out there was very defensive. Death and Rice and like what's his name? The Calvin other guy, Kevin Phillips. Phillips. Kevin Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. Phillips and and Death and Rice, they're both defensive mids. You have five defenders playing. That's seven out of like eleven on your team. They're defenders. The goal was also scored by Luke Shaw. It was like Kieran Trippier to Luke Shaw. It was all defense. They're like I don't I don't know. The attack I think lacked a lot in that in that particular game. And like you said. They were just hoping to react to Italy, not have Italy react to exactly. them in any way. And I think that may have been their biggest mistake, you know? Biggest mistake, yeah,
1: yeah. They could have gone, you know, like, it's not like England don't have the players to go for it. You know, like, if they want some pace or, you know, some energy in midfield, they could bring on, bring on Jordan Henderson, they could bring on Jude Bellingham. And, like, I mean, seven players defensive-minded, you know, with in the final of a very big euros like I don't, I don't i don't like it you know personally like i was hoping he yeah. would come to then, he would come home but you know what happened
0: and then of course he brings on the subs in the absolute last minute of the game i if I, he should have introduced them i think like i'm not like a great football mind or a coach or anything but in my opinion I think he probably should have bought on Rashford and Sancho, like, the second half of extra time. Like, the team was tired anyways. You know, at least Sancho and Rashford could have at least generated some pace, some sort of attacking, rather than waiting till the absolute last minute. And these boys haven't had a single touch of the ball. And now they're expected to take the penalties. I I, I absolutely did not get that. It's just too
1: much to ask. Like, you know, sometimes it's just too too much to ask for some players, like, Come on, man, like, no matter who you are, it's the final, being played, you know, with 60,000 people in the stadium, like, there's so much buzz around it, like, you're nervous, and you can't expect someone to come on and just take a penalty like that, you know? You gotta get your body yeah. warmed up. I mean, like that's why they do all the warm-ups, man. Like otherwise, they would have just throw on people and you know just go and take a shot. Who
0: do you think like who do you think is like one player that if they bought on like randomly at that last minute they would still score that penalty? Like in my head, the only person that comes to mind. Just simply based on how their penalty records were at the Euros, is like Cristiano Ronaldo. I yeah, don't know if man. anyone else you can bring off the bench and be like, all right, take this penalty, because he's the only guy who's, who went like perfect with his penalties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I um, mean,
1: like this, this Euros, you could see like so many people were like, you know, they were nervous, they were missing, like some Yeah, the
0: penalties some were like horrible. Yeah, oh. yeah. I, would you think it was like the, the the shooters were horrible, or do you think the keepers were better? What do you think it was? No, like, um, in on, in some moments, like, the keepers
1: were there. Like, you know, Donnarumma was there. Loris made a great yeah. save to keep France in the game against the Swiss.
0: Yeah, yeah, he but did. But some
1: penalties were just horrible, yeah. man. Some man, were absolutely brutal.
0: horrible. I agree. I agree. In terms of, like, you know, after the finals was over, and then there was a lot of... As, as soon as he bought on Sancho and Rashford, I knew that if England loses this penalty shootout, these young black players are going to absolutely be destroyed by the English fans. And it's really sad because the whole tournament, they were praising them, considering everything that Marcus Rashford did for England last year during the pandemic and, you know, even got special, like, uh, recognition from the Queen. And then one tournament, one missed penalty, just absolutely, you see the real fans come out, huh? So what, what did you make of that part?
1: I mean, it was quite obvious, like, as soon as they lost and you know, i i i put it out like you know like this is going to be going to go down so wrong like this is not what they will deserve like you know after having brought england to the final after so many years like decades man like they don't deserve this but sadly that is the society right now we live in man like it's so sad but you could you could see it's coming from a mile away man
0: People are like, why are these players taking a knee before the game, and they're questioning it, and you know, saying all sorts of things, and
1: you see why the, they're the, doing it. The politicians were like, they even they were like, you know, they don't need to do it, and all that, like, it's a politic, yeah. political thing, like it's not an agenda against some anybody, you know, like it's not a political thing, like you know, it's just to put out a message, like.
0: There needs to be, like, racism needs to be thrown out of the game. If you were to, like, rank in terms of, like, worst to best. I mean, I don't really have any anything after, but I know that the worst are English fans. And I'm an an England supporter, not necessarily an English individual, but, you know, I support England. I don't know, I guess there's, like, this idea of some sort of, like, hooliganism, you know, like the soccer hooligans, the football hooligans that you really saw during this tournament. Yeah, man, like...
1: They are the absolute absolute worst fans. Like, you know, hands up like they are the worst. Countries hate it when like English clubs reach, you know, the the finals and all yeah. that the fans have to come oh. over, you know, in a lot of numbers. And countries hate it, man, yeah, like right. because they are like just they ripped through They threw everything if they get drunk and they do whatever you know the police. Yeah, they start breaking,
0: smashing, fighting, everything. I mean it was kind of sad because the whole tournament was so good and then the end like ended in such a way where you couldn't really you could celebrate Italy's victory because you know they absolutely deserve to win that. But then along with that came, you know, this whole caveat of the racism and how people still need to take a knee and everything. So it kinda like left. A bitter taste in your mouth after a great tournament. In your opinion, what's the team of the tournament? The team of the
1: tournament is a tricky one, yeah. So there's so many great performances, man. I was like, when I thought about it, I couldn't get my head around the goalkeeper situation. Even though Donnarumma was superb, like, of course you have to give it to him, man. He saved, he he took, think he saved so many penalties in the semis. He saved one, he saved two in the final. He has a great performance, and and all this while he's transferring to Paris Saint Germain. So,
0: Donnarumma was the player of the tournament for you? No, 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 not the player of the tournament, but the goalkeeper of the tournament. The, in your opinion, they were the team of the tournament. So, like, not not like you know, goalkeeper, defender, but like just like one team. Like, what team do you think?
1: Uh, personally, I would say it's. Denmark, like, I didn't expect Denmark to do so well, like you know, I didn't expect them to play like they played, you know, like, their football was beautiful, you know, they were, they they had full energy, you know, like, they were never tired, they went, they kept going at it, kept going at it, like, even when they were losing, so I never expected Denmark to, like, you know, put performances like these, so, like, I would say Denmark
0: I can't d- disagree with that in any way, man. The Like, the way they started the tournament to the way they finished it was absolutely amazing. The comebacks, like, you know, the last game they had to win by a certain amount of goals, They did yeah. that. And the 16s, the quarterfinals, like, the semis, like, everything they did was very, I would say, very dignified. That's how a football team should be. That's how your fans exactly. should be. That's the type of fans, like, you want to have. And absolutely, like, hats off to Denmark. They had... An, a stellar, stellar tournament. So, team of the tournament, we are in agreement, Denmark. Player of the tournament, UFA gave it to Donnarumma. Do you think um, Donnarumma was the player of the tournament? Or do you do you have any, like, honorable mentions for player of the tournament? Uh,
1: actually, you know, I'm a big fan of Bonucci and Kilini. As a partnership, I I can't get, like, I can't see a better partnership out there. It's like, you know, as United fans, we have Vidic and Ferdinand, you know, as the... Bar, you know. So yeah, yeah, I, I love Chiellini and Bonucci, and they they really stepped it up this time, you know. Like they really stepped it up. Like Bonucci scored in the final, you know. Like they have so many good performances. They were solid, you know, along with uh, Donnarumma and you know Spinazzola and Di Laurentiis, Di- Lorenzo, I think his
0: name is. Yeah, and so oh man, that Italian team is just stacked. But for you, you think the best players were. The Italian trio of um Donnarumma, Bonucci, and Chiellini.
1: Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't um, pick one. You know, like I was thinking, but they were all so good and consistent. So, like, you know, I couldn't pick one.
0: The biased person in me will obviously say, like, Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire. Yeah, like, you know, that's yeah, just, like, that's just, like, absolutely very biased of me. I think this was the tournament for goalkeepers, man. Like, I think Donnarumma absolutely deserved that player of the tournament. And, you know, today, Chiellini said something pretty funny. I don't know if it was today or the other day. He was like, all of you parents, start naming your kids Gianluigi so we know how to get our goalkeepers. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> it was quite funny. I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, even yeah, even uh Jan, Jan Jan Sommer had a great uh, Euros, you know, for Switzerland. Jan Sommer had himself a summer, bro. That game he did absolutely so he did so good for Switzerland. Yeah, Jan Sommer did exceptionally well. I was kinda sad that they lost to Spain on penalties, but you know, that's just the game. The Jan Sommer you know had himself say, a tournament. Penalties
1: too. Are a lottery,
0: man. too bad England is never on the winning side <laughs> of that lottery young player of the tournament who would you give that to the young player of the tournament and let's not give it to donnarumma cuz you know we know like he already is yeah. the best player of the tournament and he's young like realistically he would be both i know both. but get donnarumma out of the scene and who would you give the best player of the tournament to
1: i think it has to be pedri you know that Bam. guy that guy's is a baller like when i see him play yeah. it's just it's just so easy like you know like you have some yeah. players like Iniesta, Xavi, you know, like Koles, Carrick, when they play, it's just like a treat to us. You just want to sit back, relax Absolutely. The
0: The Galactico in me is like, no, not Pedri, like Patrick Schick, because that I think Patrick, Patrick yeah. Schick had himself a tournament too. Props to Pedri, man. He did really well. For me, I think it was Patrick Schick, just because of like that whole team's expectations were purely on him. He I would go young team, player. Man. To Patrick Schick, but damn, Pedri had himself a tournament, too. He had himself yep. a pretty good tournament. Game of the tournament. Game of the tournament. Wow, man.
1: This is this is a tricky This is the most trickiest one you could have asked me because, I mean, this Euros was stacked. I, I was like, you know, like, which game should I say, you know, like, because I don't know, man, like, I watched uh, Spain-Croatia. That was superb. Mm-hmm. Then, that was a good uh, game. I really enjoyed uh, Germany versus Portugal 4-2. You know that one was great. I would say an and and out of the box match maybe not many watched. That would be uh, Scotland versus Czech Republic. You know that was a real dogfight. Like you know, like there were chances at the at both ends. You know, like unless
0: that's the word, one where Patrick Schick scored from like. Way out, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the one. And that game, that, that game had tackles flying in. That game was high intensity. That game had goals, you know, great goals, like you said. That game had
0: everything. I liked I liked Spain, Croatia a lot. Um, I really liked Switzerland, France. Just that yeah. whole game was just, oh, my yeah. God. The amount of, like, changes in lead that was, and that then, was like, an Switzerland man. getting a chance. Oh, my God. That game was absolutely wild. And, man, like, I mean, Big Ben, he showed up for France. Seeing him this tournament was refreshing. But, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things Deschamps can do with this team for the next World Cup. I'm sure they got humbled a bit this year with with Switzerland. What do you think for honourable mentions? Honourable mentions as in the game's or... Like so, no. For me, so for, for a player that I really felt bad for, that I want to give a huge shout out to, I don't know if you'll ever hear this, but is Alvaro Morata, man, oh my god, oh. I felt so bad for him. His uh, his family's getting threatened, and then he like goes ahead and scores that goal for them, but then he misses in like the penalties, the and man, he's had such like a up and down. Like oh man, I felt really bad for him. I don't know. I feel like I should just give a shout out to Murata. Fair enough. Fair enough. He he had a roller coaster, man. Like I
1: I like just like you, I felt so bad for him. I, I really like him as a player. You know, he's hardworking. It's just his finishing might not be so you know perfect, but he's a team player. You know, you could see it. So yeah.
0: What other players caught your eyes? I know like Patrick Schick is on like everyone's radar now because he had like one of those stellar yeah. tournaments. Karim Menzima, He he definitely showed up for France. I don't know why Pogba can't play like this for United and he plays like this for France. That was like, the, that that pissed me off the most about watching France play. It's just, Paul Pogba plays like this for France. But then, you know, he went ahead and like did it, pull the United when he slipped and then Switzerland yeah. took the ball and like scored. So, like, I guess this is the same Paul Pogba. I mean, Luke Shaw gets an honourable mention for sure. Yeah. Harry I Maguire, mean, definitely. Uh, Mikhail no, or Denmark Absolutely, bro. Nam's Absolutely, he's gonna be
1: some player. Trust me, he's gonna be some
0: player. And then the and Denmark's right back too, bro. Mahale. Yeah. yeah Mahale. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're it we're is, in agreement. Man. But the the Euro the Euros, nonetheless, amazing tournament. I have to say, I think it's the best. If I was to rank tournaments based on the past years. I would say the number one I have is the 2010 South Africa World Cup. I think yeah. that's the best tournament yeah. since I've been watching soccer religiously. You know, I would say that's the best. I would put this second right after that, right, right after it's that World It's up there, Cup. it's
1: up there. Because like, actually, as you say, the World Cup was, you know, it was so entertaining. You know, the Hubuzela, the, it was yeah. so fun. But this, yeah. uh, this Euros is also, you know, like it's up there for me too. You know, as a, one of the yeah. best tournaments ever, like. I've watched, you know, like personally, because it had so much up and downs, you know, like no one thought Denmark would get
0: through, man. Like they <laughs> absolutely. The and then games. the way they did was the way they did it was amazing. Let's move on from one continent to another. So from the Euros to the Copa Americas, where you know you know Messi finally wins honor for Argentina and cements himself finally. as like obviously one of the greatest. What did you make of the Copa America? I personally, to be honest, I didn't really watch a lot of the Copa Americas. My attention was mostly towards the Euros. But I, I, I know that Emmy Martinez had a standout performance for Argentina. Uh, was there any notable games or players or teams that you you noticed in the Copa Americas that you want to talk about?
1: Not really, because you know, the Copa usually has three or four great teams. You know, like Brazil, it Argentina, it's either Uruguay. You know, it's uh Chile. Or Chile, well.
0: yeah, yeah. So, those four are usually the big know, dogs.
1: They are usually the winners. Also, like sometimes Colombia has a good tournament,
0: but you know who's yeah.
1: gonna be
0: there in the final? I kind of did not want Messi to win, but you know he won, and good for him. I'm happy for him. It's a it's a bad time he got something um for his country apart, but he got and the if Olympics. a football a fan. Ago. You
1: you you cannot. You cannot not be happy for Messi, you know? I mean, I, I literally you know, <laughs> was emotional. I was emotional. I was I, I would agree, like, I was emotional watching it, you know, like, when his whole team ran up to him after the final
0: whistle, I was like, this guy
1: deserves it.
0: They're saying uh, the reason why Messi won this tournament was because Gonzalo Higuain wasn't on the oh, team, that, <laughs> that's <yeah. right. laughs> and that's why Messi was able to win. Uh, that was a meme yeah. uh, after, after the uh, World Cup final. Yeah, you know when they're like, when, uh, when Messi dies, he wants Higuain he to bury him so he can let him down one last time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just... Based on these Copa Americas and then the World Cup, what, sorry, based on the Copa Americas and the Euros, Euro. what are teams you think the World Cup should look out for? World Cup 2022, what teams will you have your eyes on?
1: Uh, um, I think it's going to be more the Euro teams, you know like um no disrespect to the copa but you know the copa is the same like you know it's uh, high intensity it's a bit physical whereas the euros you could see you know it's more of a technical game and you know you, you could see it you know when the small teams are you know up there with the big team that shows that shows you that even the smaller team the like smaller countries they are upping their game you yeah know, they, they absolutely do it, do it, don't do it you know so any of Denmark, Switzerland, you know, they're good. They they play good football. It's not like, you know, park the bus and hit them on the counter. They, they play good, progressive, you know, attacking football. So I think it's all yeah. the Euro teams that you'll have to look out for. I think the African
0: yeah. teams are going to surprise a lot of viewers and other teams uh, when it comes to the World Cup. Apart from, you know, the the game being played in like climates that they're used to playing in that they're used exactly. to training in that aside just their conditioning i just feel like the african nations will do really well this upcoming world cup an african nation wins man like i'm always rooting for the underdog so if i hope like, senegal or egypt or nigeria I agree like goes, someone
1: I agree
0: yeah, I agree. yeah if any of these teams decide to pull an upset and go all the way, I would be more than Ghana, you know, any of these teams I'm one hundred percent for. Yeah, but I think you're right, bro. I think the Euro teams are definitely teams to watch out for, but then you never know what happens at a World Cup. That's the thing about the World Cup. You you just have to wait and see what's gonna happen.
1: Yeah. Who thought who thought South Korea would knock out Germany, man? <laughs> Absolutely. I you got mean... like South
0: Korea, you have Morocco, like these teams are they're, they're going to be there to win it, you know, and they're going to prove themselves on the biggest stage out there.
1: My underdog would be the Qatar team, if they could make it.
0: The Qatar team? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they, they qualify automatically because they're hosts. So, yeah. I mean, let's see how they... How you, so, your underdog pick is Qatar. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I my, like,
1: you know, they, they have invested a lot in football.
0: My and prediction is that Qatar is going to not even make it out of the group stage.
1: Group stage. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. That, that might my, happen, my you know, like we like don't no of Qatar players, you know?
1: <laughs>
0: but, you know, I mean, it's the host nation. They, they like to, you know, at least try to make it out of the group stages. But, you know, we'll see how things go in a year now. It's literally a year. Yeah. So pretty, pretty good year. Pretty good. A pretty good time to be a football fan. So our first segment was mostly Euros, the Copa Americas, things to look forward to. Our second segment, we're kind of going to go deeper into club football and what better team to start than Manchester United, right? When you think Manchester United, what was your first, like we're both Man U fans, right? So this is a, to all of our listeners, this is obviously going to be a little United bias. so. Listen if you want to. You can come back in after 10 minutes when we start talking about another team. But for the next 10 minutes, we're probably going to do a lot of Manchester United glorification. So just bear with us through this part. If you're a Man U fan, then you're in for a treat. What's your first Manchester United memory?
1: I've not really thought about it. I think it may be the 2006 season. I think it is. Yep. After the the Ronaldo versus Rooney something. Controversy? Do you remember? Oh, the, after the
0: World Cup, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when
1: England lost to Portugal, yeah,
0: yeah. Because my first yeah,
1: football the... memory itself was uh, Cristiano Ronaldo crying after the 2004 World Cup when they lost to Greece. First of all, I was a you know cricket fan. You know, I grew up in India, and you know, in how big cricket is in India. Oh yeah, can't beat so, it. Like, can't beat it. The first time I saw someone was I saw Ronaldo, you know, up there crying. You know, when they lost. So After that, I was hooked to him in some way, you know, like emotionally attached. I felt like, you know, I felt that, you know. And then when yeah. they had the and the problem with Rooney and Ronaldo, that's when I really started following United.
0: Yeah, my first memory is like probably playing the UFA Champions League 2004. was like way back in the day was on the computer and that's like my first United memory is like playing with absolutely stacked United team (laughs) with like Roy Keane, Paul Scholes, Gary Neville, you know, these players in their peak, you know, and I was like, holy shit, this team is amazing. And so since then I started following Man U and then ended up liking the team. And I think my, my first Man United memory, is probably during the Ronaldo era too. I think along the same lines as you. 2005 is when I started getting into football really. it's I, I think for, for a lot of us, it's like a major world tournament that really gets you into it. And I exactly. think for a lot of yeah, yeah. people our age, it's probably the World Cup 2006 that really got us into football. 2006 I had some crazy games too. That was, um, that was a spicy tournament, you know? That was. So... Your first menu memory is Ronaldo fighting Rooney, and then everything that ensued from there. What's your favorite menu memory? Oh, hold on. Before before you say anything, I think we're gonna have the same favorite menu memory. But let me try to guess. Can I guess?
1: Yeah, go ahead.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna guess based on your favorite menu jersey, your favorite menu memory, or one of your favorite menu memories would probably be. Luis Nani crossing the ball and Wayne Rooney hopping on his bicycle and just knocking out Manchester City is that your favorite menu memory? Yeah.
1: That's got to be yeah. up there. But, but, yeah, that, but I
0: I would also say
1: um it's got to be the Champions League final when we won in Moscow.
0: Oh, with Chelsea. Yeah, that. Yeah. Like when that, that... When, we, when we started following
1: United that era like we were sacked. Yeah, like winning yep, titles, yep. cups was was a normal thing, you know. Like all <laughs> not like yeah. yeah, It's Absolutely. not not like now, not yeah. not like now. We get it, but yeah. you know, winning the Champions League was the holy grail, you know. And doing it, agree. You know, that way. The, the Terry slip, the John Terry slip, you know, roller coaster Yeah, for
0: me, that. I think for me, I think why the the Wayne Rooney one is like my favorite is because City had won the year before and you know they thrashed a 6-1 feeling themselves and then you know we had to silence the we had to silence the haters and imagine at that time how stacked that city team was compared to that united team like that united team was absolutely we not stacked cleverly i think yeah yeah But that's the that's the beauty of sir alex ferguson man he could get the and then oh also another really good memory is when we thrashed arsenal 8-2, 8-2. oh yeah in, in the end, in the end, Arson Wenger got sent off to the stand. Yeah, oh, that was like you know that was the cherry on the top. I think I think we both have some pretty good uh <laughs> U memories. What's your favorite? Who's your favorite Man player of all time? Favorite menu player? Uh, has
1: to be Ronaldo.
0: Yeah, like even though he's
1: not been there as long as uh, Giggy or you know Cole, but for me it's Ronaldo who who bought me like to United like just like that you know like he showed me like United was there because of him I started yeah. following United so like and he, he showed his thing also for United you know he
0: stepped up I agree yeah he's one of my favorite United players but if I would have to say my absolute favorite United player of all time is Nemanja Vidic you just can't oh. get yeah yeah Vidic damn warrior captain fantastic man that guy absolutely Filthy! I still remember to this day when we were playing Chelsea and Drugbot thinks he's in the clear and he's running and he's about to score and then Vidic comes out of nowhere, and slides, <laughs> and oh my god, that's I, that's it, that's that's my guy, my favorite player. So for me, it's it's definitely Vidic. What's been your favorite? What's been your favorite menu team that we've ever had? Your favorite team we've ever put together? I think what it's year? Be the, uh, seven,
1: eight. In the, the one we won the Champions League, you know, I mean, you can't go wrong with uh, Tevez, Rooney, and Ronaldo, like, you know, deal with that.
0: I was gonna say, man, that was a stacked and a lot of people for forget- at that point, Anderson was still pretty good, yeah. Anderson. And we had Owen Hargreaves before he Owen got injured, Hargles. yeah. I mean, that was that's a stacked team, Ferdinand, Vidic, Vandersar, Gary Neville still running it. That's a good team. Well, uh, I, I think a
1: surprise inclusion might be West Brown, you know. <laughs> that, that guy was like a squad player, but you know, he's always there he's always performing, you
0: know. John O'Shea, all these random guys. When we're talking about Manchester United, what's your expectations for them? We have such a rich history. We've we've spoken about some of our favorite players, we've spoken about some of our favorite memories, our favorite teams. And clearly this is a team that has a rich history. In recent days after Ferguson's departure, we haven't really been singing glory, glory, Man United, because there hasn't been a lot of glory to sing about. Essentially, right? What are your expectations moving forward of Manchester United? I'm,
1: um, I'm, I'm really confident with Ole. Like, I mean, we have tried everything. You know, we could, we have gone with Moyes, we have gone with Louis Van a, we've gone with uh, Jose Mourinho. And now you could see like what Ole is trying to do. You could see like he understands the United way. I,
0: I I I didn't know how I felt about Ole. You know, I mean he did resign till 2024, so we have him for a while. So I guess best thing you can do, Ole. Yeah, Ole is the way in, to go. Yeah. But I don't know if he has that same amount of. You know, other players are like enamored by managers like Mourinho, Ancelotti, and. Just wanting to play for these guys like Pep and Klopp mm, and mm. Don. You know, these, these names attract players to play for them. And I don't think Ole has that same impact on other players. It took us forever to get Bruno Fernandez. It took us forever to get Jaden Sancho. I don't know if he has that. It's like, I believe in the guy. Like I mean, we've given him enough chances, but I don't know if he has that same... Wow, factor as other managers do. What are your thoughts on that? I think that is a good thing in a
1: way. You know why? Because I would say if they don't come for Ole, that means they're coming because they're coming for Manchester United. Or the money, you could say so. You know, we are we are <laughs> known for paying high wages, but you could say because I mean Ole is not going to have the pool, then you know, like the pulling power of Jose or whatever, you know. But mm-hmm. if they come, then surely what a think it's for the club, you know. They like the club, they want to be a legend, you know, maybe. So, in that sense, you know, like, maybe they're coming here to become a
0: legend. That's a positive outlook to have on the whole situation. With the current team that always assembled, who do you... I mean, obviously, Bruno Fernandes has been, like, standout. And then two seasons ago, well, a season ago, we had Martial, Rashford, And Mason Greenwood absolutely go up and score like 20 goals each. But now it seems like Rashford's out with injury. Martial, we don't know what type of headspace he's in. Greenwood's definitely trying to, you know, be perennial in the starting 11 and not just, you know, occasionally here and there when players are injured. What do you make of our current team and our current formation? And, you know, let's start with the most controversial position, I think, is goalkeeper. Do you think Dean Henderson should be number one over David De Gea?
1: Personally, I love De Gea, but I think it's time to go. You know, okay. like, I I think it's time to give Henderson a chance, you know. And it's not like yeah. he's not a proven goalkeeper. He's been there uh, for a season with uh, Sheffield United. He's done it. I think this is, is just the way
0: you play. I think I, I think you and I are gonna have our first disagreement with the team where I think David De Gea should be the number one and Dean Henderson should be the one who's played Europa in the FA Cup. But I think I absolutely think David De Gea has more experience. He's still pretty young and I think he has a lot more to give to the club. Henderson does stupid shit like wearing a cap and then like he's messing up <laughs> He's like, you can't be making mistakes like that at that level. Although people say De Gea makes more mistakes than Henderson. You really, I mean, last season, I don't think you could really have a clear-cut favorite because, you know, De Gea was out for a while because of the birth of his daughter and everything. I personally would want De Gea to reclaim that number one spot. But I can see why a lot of people want Dean Henderson to be that number one spot. So, well, uh, actually our...
1: it's not It's not like, you know, like um, it's not about, uh, you know, Who's the better keeper, or who's who's made more mistakes? I'm just thinking of the way United should play. You know, like to be to be champions or whatever. Yeah. Because I think we need to play higher up. You know, like the defenders need to push up, and right now we can't do that because we don't have the pace. We, uh, Maguire is slow. Lindelof's uh, not the, the quickest. So if we get Varane, that means we'll be playing a higher line. It requires a goalkeeper that comes out. Like, in case there are two balls or better longer two balls, you know. And De Gea tends to normally, normally, he tends to just stay on his,
0: you know. Yeah, so maybe hold. De Gea should, like, adjust his game a little where he, like, yeah. adds that to it where he can come out, like an Ederson or an Allison. What formation do you think we should stick with? I'm a fan of, let's see, if we keep Pogba, I think we should go four three three, with, you know, um, obviously yeah, McGuire. At the moment, we got McGuire, we got Lindelof, we got Luksha and Aaron Wan-Bissaka. And then up front, I would say maybe McTominay and Pogba. And then Bruno Fernandes in the middle. And then we got Cavani, Rashford, Sancho. Is that what Sancho. you're thinking too? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That, that, that has to be the team. The 4-3-3, I think is the way to go. The 4-2-3-1 yeah. is more of a if- uh, pragmatic approach, you know? Like, it's, it's more of a Mourinho team. It's like It's like that. So, I think a 4-3-3 is the right way to go. But uh, not having a specialist defensive midfielder could cost us in some games. You know, because McDominy is a box-to-box. And, you know, Fed is also yeah. same, similar. They're both similar. So, you know, That's like, true. it would help if we had
0: Kante. But, you know. Everybody, everybody wants N'Golo Kante, bro. Or like Dorcino. I mean, Chelsea is just blessed with defensive mids at the moment, with both Giorgino and Conte. This is going to be definitely a good season. What are your players to look out for? I, I can't think past uh,
1: Mason Greenwood, although he's already had a season like you know where he's good. But I think this season you'll see you'll see the real Mason Greenwood, like you know you'll see him banging at least 20 goals. And I also thought like not having him on the bench for England. That was a big miss. Because no matter who you throw on for England, you don't have a real goal scorer like someone who just scored, who's just a lethal yeah. finisher, you know, just think about scoring. And we've seen Mason Greenwood, you know, he's just lethal. He's ice cold. I think
0: he'll definitely have something to prove. In a way, it might be good that he got left off the England squad. You know, I think he'll definitely prove himself in the upcoming games. I... Really, I mean, like, this is kind of sad. I know it's not going to happen, but I really hope Donny Van De Bake, man. I really hope. Let him play or sell him. This is like a guy who finished top 30 in the Ballon d'Or voting a few years ago, man. And The things that we've done to him is just absolutely, I, I don't, is I don't it know. It's just sad. I guess if we did, like, four three three, but instead of having two defensive, we have two attacking, and then yeah. we have just Scott Tomine holding the middle. At this point, bro, I don't care if Pogba leaves if Donny gets to shine. Pogba can leave if Donny van der Beek gets to shine. And, you know, like, Dutch players at Man U, apart from Memphis Depay, have done pretty well. Like, Van Nistelrooy, yeah. like Robin Van Persie. Yeah, do you say Van Persie?
1: Yeah, Van yeah.
0: Persie. Oh, that volley with Aston Villa. <laughs> but, you know, that being said, like, we still haven't been able to keep up with our noisy neighbors. You got teams to look out for this season. You got the noisy neighbors, Man City. You got the cop in Liverpool. You got Chelsea. We have him. Leicester has, like, broken through and is, like, a top-tier team now. And then we got Arsenal. So, for all of our fans who were tuned out because this was do, a… Do we really got to do Arsenal too? Arsenal may have the cannons on their logos, but Kaysang is firing the shots. Well, we'll do them, you know. We're just, like, based on historical… Um, you know, we're kind of going through an arsenal. We went through like an arsenal period ourselves, too. We'll stand in solidarity with Arsenal. Let's start with our noisy neighbors. Their team is ugh, like absolutely it's the st- best it's the best team. What do you think we need to do as United to catch up with Manchester City? It's clear right now that Manchester is blue. It's absolutely clear. Right? it's it's sad, but you can kind of come to grips with that reality. So what do you think Manchester United should do? to catch up with the noisy neighbors?
1: I have only one word, and that's to spend. You have to keep spending. You have to keep spending. Because, honestly, to win to win titles and trophies, you know, nowadays, you you just don't need uh, 13, 14 players. you got to have 20, 22, you know, players who can just be like-for-like with like placement. Like, just look at the Manchester man, City team. I mean, without like that that the full team you will not ha- you will they will not win it that's for sure even even if it's pep or whoever it is uh, without the squad they have they will not win it
0: it's 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 funny you bring up pep guardiola cuz my next question was this manchester city team is their success more because of the squad or is it because of the manager so who do you think the success is for you think any manager could do what pep did with manchester city you think it's the squad or do you think it's pep it's
1: it's more of a squad squad thing, I I would say
0: like, I, I respect Pep.
1: I think he's the best ever. Like, along with Sir, Sir Alex, I think he's the best ever. But he would not be the the same Pep we know today without all the spending. You know, like spending fifty million it, on two fullbacks, fifty fifty sixty
0: on defenders. You know, left I will, center. No matter where Pep Guardiola has gone. He has had a stacked team. Pep has never had to build a team from the ground up. So maybe, like, I hope against him a little. But I would say that it's absolutely the squad. It's the money. Let's start with Tottenham again, right? So from a team in Leicester that's obviously, like, achieved a lot from the Premier League to the Europa qualifications onto a team that's not playing in Europe this year. Tottenham with Nuno Esperuto Santo. I was I was really hoping to like record this before Hingman and Sun signed his new contract. I was gonna say like, is this Tottenham's last chance to win something with the team they have? Or will it be buy son and hurry and get the fuck out of there, Kane? <laughs> but you know, I can't say that about I can't say that about Sun anymore because he signed up. What I do you think thing. of their manager? Do you think Nunu should be at the helm or do you think some other manager should have taken over of Tottenham?
1: Some other managers should have taken over Tottenham, but the big ones have all rejected Tottenham because of their ambition <laughs> and their, maybe a lack of ambition. Let's say you know it's not like it's not like they didn't try for uh, Antonio Conte. I mean, when when right. he's available, of course you're gonna try for Conte, but they got rejected, so
0: yeah, they to settle wow. for
1: a less Conte, play, Conte guy in Nuno Espirito Santo.
0: That's that's kind of funny, man. It's like the first time you hear like a manager rejecting a team rather than a team yeah. rejecting a manager. It's quite funny. But it but Nuno something.
1: should be good. Nuno should be good. Uh, he's got the yeah. Premier League experience, and uh, I think they're on, they're not in the in the Europa League also, so maybe it's good for them, you know, in a way.
0: That's what I was thinking too. Like in a way, for Tottenham and Arsenal also not being in Europe might actually be a blessing for them, where they can actually focus. On the competitions like the Premier League and the, the FA Cups, and you know, maybe State finally win something there. It, it gives you a lot of recovery time, you know. Do you think this is Tottenham's last chance to win something with the duo of Harry Kane and Hingman Min Son, or do you think Kane's going to be out of there before the season starts? I've
1: got a feeling Kane will be moving to Manchester City. I think Manchester City will be going all out for Kane. And I I really hope they get Kane because it's like a domino effect, you know. I don't want Erling Haaland to be in Manchester City next season.
0: I would rather see Harry Kane go to Manchester City. Because, you know, Harry Kane is not going to play as long as Erling Haaland. If, early, if there... Erling Haaland went to Manchester City, they would get their new Sergio Aguero, which is not good for anyone. Yeah. But if they got Harry Kane, what, Harry Kane's got like maybe like a good six years left in him. Haaland would get them 10 to 12. 10. So, easy. I agree. If they got Harry Kane and we get Erling Haaland, that would be perfect. Yeah, because next so, next
1: season, I, I, want, I want Erling Haaland, man. Like, Cavani will be gone, yeah. most probably. So, the striker yeah, yeah, position yeah. is up for grabs. And I don't want yeah. anybody else other than Erling Haaland.
0: They haven't bought many players this year, have they? Arsenal. No,
1: no, no. Tottenham. Tottenham not
0: bought many players this year.
1: No, they they have just recently. Yesterday, they signed a backup goalkeeper from Atlanta, I think. Atlanta. Yeah, but
0: they are they are trying to spend. Uh, they are they are gonna buy. Uh, I think Brian Gill is his name. I'm not sure. The Tottenham owner is very stingy, man. Like he does not he does not yeah. like to spend money. At and it's all. also
1: the stadium stadium money. They they don't have a lot of money because of this new stadium. Although it's great, but it's like Arsenal, you know. It's yeah, that's Arsenal true. Move to Emirates. They're fun. Literally dried yeah. up. Yeah.
0: With fans not being allowed, they didn't have the revenue from that, too. So, I mean, I I, I don't hate, hate Tottenham. I, I like Tottenham. I love Tottenham when they had Gareth Bale and they had uh, German Defoe. Tottenham is like a team people like to root for. It's kind of gone from bad to worse for them at this moment. So, I hope Tottenham can maybe do something. I'm, I'm not upset. Like, if Leicester wins, if Tottenham wins, I'm never really, like, upset that Leicester or Tottenham yeah. won. For Tottenham, I think this is definitely their last chance to get something, like win anything with Kingman Sun and Harry Kane if he stays before they have to completely rebuild. And I don't think that rebuild is going to look good for them because they've already had to rebuild so many times recently. The only way they can rebuild is if someone pays like Gareth Bale money for Harry Kane or Sun. I don't think Sun's going to go for as much as Kane.
1: but you I was know, surprised
0: Son, um his extension Resigned. Because, <laughs> yeah I was like I, I do, do you really
1: want to stay here for another three years but then I figured like there's no not many teams that want uh, left winger right now you
0: know so from Tottenham to Arsenal so obviously we agree that not being in Europe is gonna be kind of a gift for Arsenal yeah. and Tottenham with with Arsenal obviously Emil Smith Rowe the the De Bruyne of Croydon, he's gotten the number 10 jersey and he's expected to, you know, have some big shoes to fill. What plans do you think Arteta has for this team? The front is stacked. Obama Young, Lacazette, Bukayo Osaka, who can play literally any position. And then, of course, you got Emile Smith-Rowe. Their defense, not so much. So, Or their mid, for that matter. What do you think Arsenal has to do to keep up with, well, the big six what does Arsenal have to do to keep up with the new Big Six, I guess?
1: It's, it's uh, very sad that we are now here talking about Arsenal and the Big Six, you know? Because, <laughs> uh, <I> mean, historically, <laughs> Arsenal, Arsenal are one of the big teams. We've had a good yeah. rivalry with them. They have some great, great players. But right now, they are, I think they are a long way off uh, competing with the top teams. Because uh, you could you could see the team it's evolving you know with Bukayo Saka with uh, Emil Smith Rowe, but they have a lot to rebuild. Uh, their defense needs to rebuild. They they might need a new right back with Hector Bellerin probably going, and also you know um, midfield. Zaka uh, might move to Roma with Mourinho. They 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 seem to have a lot of rebuilding to do uh, even without. Um, uh, Martin Odegaard, he doesn't want to come back to Arsenal. So... Well, but
0: Martin, I think Martin Odegaard is finally going to get to play for Real Madrid. At this point, like Isco is older, you know, like Modric is getting older, Toni Kroos is getting older, so that midfield yeah. is going to be Valverde. And Martin Odegaard, he had a great season for Arsenal when he, when he whenever he played last year. You know how skilled this kid is. When he was at Sociedad, he had Sociedad. a great season you, at Real you, Sociedad. Man. But you think it's like more of like Arsenal not spending money or players not wanting to come to Arsenal? Because with Tottenham, it's clear them not wanting to spend money because they don't have the money. What do you think it is with Arsenal? Like you said, in today's football, to win, you need to buy players. Do you think it's Arsenal just not buying players or players not wanting to come to Arsenal?
1: It's a bit of both. Um, mostly got to do with Arsenal not spending much. That's the fact, you know. Because Arsenal, I mean, yeah. do you remember the Luis Suarez bit? That was a joke <laughs> of a bit. Imagine if yeah. they had gone in seriously and they had gotten uh, Suarez they would be somewhere better right now, probably. They are, you know, it's because of the stadium also, and the owners are a bit stingy, you know. So without without spending, they are not gonna get far. You know, they they are buying players like William, free agents like William, David Luiz. I mean, they, did you see the photo I of see... William recently? He's got a tummy, man.
0: He pulled an Eden Hazard, bro. <laughs> Willian pulled an Eden Hazard. <laughs> He took a page out of Hazard's book when he showed up to training. Speaking of the defense, I know recently didn't they buy a young defender, Gabriel season. No, they bought Gabriel, and I think I may be wrong. I'll, I'll do a quick check, a fact check on after. But I think they may have bought Tavares from Bentica.
1: No, no Tavares. Yeah, he's good, right? But, yeah, but it's a it's a position they're they're good at. I mean it's it's just yeah. a squad depth they don't need squad depth Who they need they? to focus on their playing first eleven right now.
0: I kind of feel bad for Leno because like he came into that team after Emi Martinez just had like an outstanding season for Arsenal, and then the defense that he got didn't help Bert Leno at all, so you know a lot of people like miss Emi Martinez because you know he he did really well for Arsenal, and he's clearly showing how good he is with Aston Villa and Argentina. I kind of feel like United fans are a little too harsh on Arsenal, not knowing that we ourselves might turn up in that situation one day yeah, if we didn't yeah. have the funds or that money. So I'm very sympathetic towards the cause of Arsenal and Tottenham. But I also feel like clubs like Leicester deserve to be where they are at this moment. And then, of course, I'm sure this is our first time doing K2K, so we're only talking about like the big six and the most relevant teams. But I'm sure once people listen to this and enjoy what we're talking about, we can definitely film more episodes of K2K where then we can address teams like Wolves, West Ham, Aston Villa, you know, and their desire. I'm sure, like, it'll be a lot more football for us to talk about. you have any last things you want to say about the EPL?
1: Um, It's it's, a, it's, it's an interesting season that's coming up. I feel uh, Brentford, you know, the newly promoted team, I'm expecting yes, a big season from Leeds them themselves. Leads yeah, would be I even
0: see. better. The same. I mean, do uh, you see the amount of money Marcelo Biesla gets paid? I think he gets paid more than Ole. Uh,
1: I, I, am sure. He gets paid, paid big.
0: Yeah, I think he gets like twelve million a year. Whoa. Yeah, he's okay, up there. Okay. Yeah, Marcelo Biezla he's up there. The highest paid, I think, is Pep, and then you got the rest underneath, and I think Biesla is up there. The season starts in August. I'm sure if we like film in September, we'll have a lot of things to, talk about. to talk about. So what say you, San, You want to do another session maybe in another month?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Looking forward to it. And I had a really good time today. So, you know, the I energy too, was good. I did too, brother. I did too.
0: After we worked our way through a little bit of the technical challenges and everything, I think it turned out to be a pretty good session. Let me ask you this before we leave, just off the top of your head. Who's gonna win the Premier League? United, Manchester United. Who's gonna be the top scorer?
1: Harry Kane if he moves to Manchester City.
0: And who do you think is gonna be the Player of the Season?
1: Player of the Season, um, Bruno Fernandez.
0: Very Manchester United heavy here. I hope it's not because if you're biased towards United, but you know. No, I I hope I'm, I'm expecting oh. a
1: very big season this time because. I'm just waiting for the Rafael Varan signing. That is what I think is all we need to go there and smash it.
0: I hope whatever you said comes true, brother. And I look forward to doing more K2K episodes with you, my man. Take care. Take care, brother. Thank you.